ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM. This is a special presentation of Fort Wayne Sports Station. ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM. The Crumback Chevrolet High School Coaches Show starts now. Presented by Crumback Chevrolet in New Haven. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Serving Allen County for 46 years in county. On Highway 930, just west of New Haven High School. Here's your host, Justin Kinney. Welcome in, everyone, to the ESPN Coaches Show. Presented by Crumback Chevrolet. I'm Justin Kenny here with D.C. Hendricks till 7 o'clock. Usually we say we're here talking high school football till 7 o'clock, and we will talk some football. In fact, we're going to kick it off here in just a couple seconds with Coach Luke Amstutz of the East Noble Knights. But uh, it's our, our transition show, our transition from football to basketball. So we'll have Coach Amstutz on. Then we'll bring on Mr. Dan Vance of OutsideTheHuddle.net. We'll break down last weekend's state championship games. And then we'll start talking some basketball in the second half hour of the show. We'll talk to Rod Parker, Homestead Spartans. We'll talk to Eric Thornton of the Norwell Knights, two teams that are off to very, very good starts to start the season on the girls' basketball side, who have now been playing for a good several weeks now. So we're talking some hoops, we're talking some football, and we may even uh, make fun of D.C. Hendricks here or there. Right, D.C.? Which could be in our show every week. Yeah. Uh, it feels like we've been gone more than a week. I mean, a week ago today was, of course, Thanksgiving. Feels like it's been a minute. Since wasn't long enough. Show. I wasn't ready to deal with you. Again. Yeah, thanks, DC. I knew You're it was welcome. coming. I knew you couldn't be cordial. Although you haven't been cordial since I walked in this studio. You no, know? been pretty grumpy today. Uh, either yeah, something's going on, or I did something to offend. Yeah. Hopefully, during the, one of the breaks, I can figure out yeah, if it was me or not me. Yeah, we'll figure it out. I mean, if I'll it's not you know. me, I couldn't care less about what's going on. So. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, DC's here. I'm here until seven o'clock. We'll bring on uh, guests throughout the show here as we head into the seven o'clock hour. Of course, tonight, a big NFL game at Soldier Field, Bears and Cowboys. You can hear that later tonight here on ESPN Radio 1380, 100.9 FM. Let's get it started. Let's talk. We had one area team represent the Northeast Indiana at the state championship last Saturday at Lucas Oil Stadium. It was the East Noble Knights. They fell 21-3 to to uh, Evansville Memorial. Let's talk all about it with the head coach of the East Noble Knights, Mr. Luke Amstutz. Coach, how are you? Doing great. Heading to Chicago. Are you going to the Bears game? No, uh, just heading on a little weekend vacation. Okay. Uh, yeah, just need to get away. It's been a nice, long football season, fortunately, and it's time to time to hide for a little bit. I, I'm sure, and, and I feel it too, but you have to feel it times 10. It's like when, when Friday comes, you felt like for so many months your your weekend was planned, or at least your Friday night. Now, if it's a sudden, it's what do you do? Yeah, you know, <clears throat> with the new rule changes with the IHSA last year, you know, more and more programs kind of really get their start in, you know, April now. And, and uh, you know, so we were practicing and, you know, getting together and talking football and coaches meetings and things like that. It's, it, you know, it definitely felt like the longest season ever, even though it literally was, you know, making it all the way to the state finals. But, um, you know, it was long, but it was uh, worth every second. It was, uh, you know, it was an awesome experience and you know, a great team. And we're just, you know, real proud of what these kids accomplished. 
Coach, before we go through last Saturday's game, want to get your impressions of, of before the game. You you felt like this team was was ready to go, ready to to be uh, to really capture the experience and enjoy it. Uh, did they enjoy it? Was there a lot of nerves heading down to the field there on Saturday afternoon, or the guys handle it pretty well? Uh, you know, I, I think we handled it okay. I, I really, <clears throat> when it all comes down to it, I I think the kids you know responded well. The kids were ready to go. The the thing you know we just kind of ran into some some things that caught up with us that you know, hadn't hurt us all year. You know, we had a, an injury right at, right at the beginning of the game to our starting running back, and, you know, we had, had barely lost a kid all year, and, and uh, that was a little bit shocking. And then, you know, a couple turnovers or the, you know, you maybe a little bit of panic because the inability to score against a, a really good defense, uh, and that was a really good defense. And, uh, you know, we're still winning at halftime, but, uh, you know, we just like I said, we just kind of ran into a few things that we hadn't experienced, and those those kids from Edensville, they've been there three years in a row and kind of experienced some of those things, and they were just a little better prepared for the situation. Coach, you mentioned after the game it was the, the best or one of the best pass defenses you've ever faced. What was Evansville Memorial doing to give for you to give them that much credit following that game? Well, you know, <clears throat> there's a lot of good teams out there that will, you know, put really good players on the field and, and uh, just man up against you and lock you down and say, no, you're not throwing to these guys. And, and we've got good receivers that will get open against that. What we faced Saturday for the first time all season and maybe the first time since I've been a head coach, you know, 12 years, is a team that <clears throat> played, a, you know, like a two-deep zone and you know, they were playing off. And, and uh, but they, what they were doing was dropping those linebackers so fast and getting to their spots so perfectly as well as getting pressure at the same time. And uh, it made it. It took away all the deep stuff. It took away the ability to throw the fade, things like that. But it also made it real hard to throw the underneath stuff. And uh, that's kind of an area where we had thrived all year was the ability to, you know, kind of pick and choose and throw some of the underneath stuff. But the, the uh, you know, the way those linebackers played in that game, it was something that we had never seen. And uh, uh, you know, they were very good at it. A lot of a lot of credit to them. That front four of Evansville Memorial was able to to really get in the backfield with regularity. Was it the quickness of them? Were they stunting a particular way? Was it a combination of things? Yeah, they they definitely combination. They had a couple of really special players there that were that were very talented. They also they were running some you know some twists and stunts like late breaking, like they you know they'd come off get into their normal gap and then kind of pick each other. Like they're just doing a lot of things that, you know, you don't see very often in high school football. Uh, and then couple that with our, our running back, you know, uh, getting knocked out of the game, who's our kind of our cleanup guy in pass protection. And you know, we bring a sophomore running back in who had a, who had a really good game, but you know, kind of inexperienced and, and uh, you know, in those situations and it, it just, it kind of snowballed for us and, and we weren't able to keep, you know, Bailey in the pocket very well. And, uh, you know, just <clears throat> just gave us some fits and and led to a couple you know turnovers and led to a couple uh, you know frustration plays and and uh, then you know when we did get it going we had a you know a holding call or this or that and um, you know just just kind of things just kind of snowballed in that second half and we weren't able to move the ball as well as we'd like. It felt like despite, you know, Evansville Memorial scoring 21 points, they were helped off turnover. They really never uh, really drove, drove on your defense. I felt as much as your offense struggled, I thought your defense probably didn't get as much credit as it should for the way it played. No, I think the defense played a great game. You know, they scored on a double reverse pass, and, uh, and then they had a long, you know, 70-yard touchdown on one play, and 
Um, but you take those two away, they, you know, they, I think the other one was a pick six, and you know, we blocked a punt, and it was fourteen to three. We block a punt, we're right there in scoring range. If we can just get a field goal, you know, it's fourteen to six, and we get a tipped ball, you know, interception in the end zone, and, and you know, kind of eliminates that that threat. So we just we shot ourselves in the foot, you know, over and over, and and uh, didn't put, you know, we didn't do what champions do in that situation. If you're gonna, you know, last year in the uh, last year in the state finals, uh, Bishop Dwanger playing another Evansville team. They, you know, they was three to three to three. I think maybe in the end of the end of regulation, but they, you know, they had kept playing good defense and kept, uh, you know, not making mistakes and gave themselves a chance to win. But unfortunately, we we didn't give ourselves that opportunity. Coach, we, we mentioned Bailey Parker, and he was on the run all day. He was getting hit time and time again. I, I've never seen a kid take as much punishment as Bailey Parker did on Saturday. He continued to pick himself up off the turf. Teammates were picking him up a couple times. He got looked at on the sidelines. But that kid just left it all on the – I mean, it's cliche, but, man, he literally left it all on the field on Saturday. The kid just was getting beat up but continued to take snap after snap after snap for you. You know, he did. He was – and I and I've not seen a kid more crushed, you know, after losing a game emotionally than he was. You know, Bailey had you know, been one of the most dynamic players in the state all year. Had you know been the leader of our team all year, and and uh, after that game, you know, he took a lot of you know he took a lot of the burden of losing that game on himself. And uh, you know, I've done everything I can to talk to him about you know yeah you know there's a mistake or two, but. Gosh, kid played so tough. He was so good. You know, he's he's one of the huge, huge reasons that we were there. And uh, you know, when you go through a season like that, go fourteen and one, get to the state finals, you know, and have three thousand yards passing and fifteen hundred yards rushing, there's an awful lot to be proud of. And uh, you know, Bailey will, uh, as time goes on, he'll start to focus on the, you know, the positives of all that, and, and uh, you know, he'll he'll look back and and you know, enjoy. The, enjoy that experience, and even though it was tough for him in the moment. Coach Luke Amstutz, East Noble Knights, joining us here on the ESPN High School Coaches Show, presented by Crumback Chevrolet. Coach, uh, after the game, there was a lot of emotions, but you gathered your senior group together. You asked the media to step back away, give you guys a little private moment. Uh, what happened? What was said in that huddle? You know, as a high school coach, you, you, know, you have a group of seniors every year, whether you get to the state finals or not, that you become very close to, and you know, uh, I think, you know, as a kid progresses through high school, they turn more and more into a man. And, and by the time they become a senior, they become, you know, uh, they become someone that, you know, you as a coach can trust. And they, you know, they learn to respect you and, and uh, you just be, you naturally become a little bit closer. And, and in those moments, you know, it's, uh, I just like to remind those kids that, and especially this team in the state finals, that, They've poured their hearts out for me for four years, you know, for more than four years. These kids, have been, these, these are all East Noble kids. These kids have been, you know, playing for East Noble since they were first graders. And, uh, you know, they, they, they've poured their hearts out for this community, and uh, they've done everything that's been asked of them. And I just want to make sure they know that for the rest of their lives, you know, myself and our program and our community are there, you know, going to be there for them. And, and uh, it's 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 uh something to look those kids in the eye when they're in that situation but uh they that's a that's a special group of kids i'm awful proud of them and just wanted to make sure they knew that 
and that that senior group is now a part of a team that really really you know raised the bar for you guys because East Noble you guys have had so much success over the years just couldn't get over that hump to win a sectional now you guys get all the way down to state I have to feel man has the level now been raised the expectations been raised in Kendallville within your program now that you guys have been able to make it to Indianapolis for sure and and that's what we wanted you know we I, I would say that we have that expectation going into every year that we're, we're trying to put together a team that we believe that can get to the state finals. And, and uh, you know, I've told other people that I've had other teams that I think were as talented as this team and, you know, we're close, but maybe you run into Bishop Dwinger or, you know, uh, a really good Northwood team or whatever it might be. Um, you know, this team, uh, this team did raise the bar though for the, the next generation. The, you know, there's already, there's already younger kids that are, you know, talking to me about when we can start, throwing or you know or what are we going to do in the weight room and you know all this stuff i think it's going to kind of reinvigorate uh some things uh you know we've had like you said we've had a lot of success but you know that success kind of gets stale you know going nine and two feels like a feels like a uh you know bad season sometimes when you know we've had 18 straight seasons like that and uh that that's something that i'm proud of that we've you know attained that level of uh success but these guys got us over the hump and now I think we have a whole lot of young guys that are hungry to re-experience that again and, and uh, you know whether we get down to the state finals or not I know that we're going to have a lot of kids that are going to be working their butts off to try to make that happen Coach, the emotions of losing a state finals game immediately afterwards, disappointment, but when did you really start to reflect and, and really look over the entire season as a success? Did it Was it minutes? Was it hours? Was it days? Are you still kind of getting over it? Where are you at? You know, in some ways before the game and in some ways in the in the week following now, you know, uh, we the amount of people that have uh, reached out to me and, and, and our players and our coaches with, you know, saying things like, it's unbelievable how, uh, you know, how this community came together. And, you know, there's, you know, there's bars all over Kendallville where they're live streaming the game and everybody's having a great time watching East Noble football or, or there's people down and, uh, you know, watch the game in Indy, and there's there's people that were bust out their 1997 letter jackets, you know, and and uh, you know, getting together with with their friends and watching the game. Like that's special stuff. That's that's the type of stuff that happens in small towns like Kendallville when you have, you know, when you have a lot of success. And and uh, you know, I'm I'm real happy that our our team could be something that you know brought a lot of people joy and and uh, you know brought a lot of pride to our community. Coach, it's always a pleasure. Thanks a lot. Thanks for taking us on the on the ride that was the 2019 season for East Noble. And enjoy some time off, and I'm sure right around the corner it'll be time to get all the guys together again. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Justin. All right. Thanks, Luke. Take care, buddy. Bye-bye. That's Luke Amstutz of the East Noble Knights heading to Chicago for a, uh, a weekend away, which is uh, well-deserved, like you said, after weeks and months of, uh, of football. And especially on the weekends, Friday nights, of course, into Saturdays. And, you know, by then you're exhausted and you're really nothing to do uh, but relax there Saturday night into Sunday. But uh, a great season for East Noble ends with a 21-3 defeat against Evansville Memorial in the Class 4A state championship game on Saturday afternoon. We got more to talk about that game with our next guest, Dan Vance of OutsideTheHuddle.net. He'll join us after the break. You're listening to the ESPN High School Coaches Show, presented by Crumback Chevrolet on ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM. 
Enter the all-new college football pigskin picks. Go to ESPNFortWayne.com and pick the weekend games. It's your chance to win weekly prizes and win tickets to your pick of any home Notre Dame game in 2020. And if NFL is more your style, enter the Peter Franklin NFL You Pick'em Contest for a shot at winning a certified pre-owned Rolex watch. Enter now at ESPNFortWayne.com. And be sure to listen to every Purdue Boilermaker game. And Thursday, Sunday, and Monday NFL football right here on Fort Wayne Sports Station. Premature birth is the number one killer of babies. Those who survive often face birth defects and complications that affect them for life. A healthy birth is the dream of every parent. But for hundreds of thousands of families with a baby born too soon, the reality is their baby's first home is the newborn intensive care unit. It's the hardest thing they will ever have to face and it's even harder on the baby. This is a crisis that knows no boundaries. 15 million babies are born prematurely worldwide. Nearly 1 million will die before their first birthday. Do something today. Help the March of Dimes provide education and support to families and fund life-saving research to give every baby a fighting chance. Give them tomorrow at marchofdimes.org slash tomorrow. Driving means freedom, exploration, fun, pride, flexibility, friendship, independence. Distracted driving means danger, recklessness, irresponsible, chaos, police, devastation, injury, death. Safe driving means staying alert and staying alive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, Noise, and the Ad Council. Seeing the world through new eyes and the earth from miles above. Not just breaking news, but breaking barriers. Now that's a job for a Girl Scout. There's always news about Notre Dame sports and the very latest is covered in the Blue Gold Report podcast. Fighting Irish sports from the inside out. Download the Blue Gold Report. Go to ESPNFortWayne.com today. Hello, my name is Andrea Dalzell and I've been using a wheelchair since I was five years old. If I had one message for the general public, it would be relax. Some folks get really flustered around disabled people, so they just pretend we're not there. I've actually had waiters talk to my companion and completely ignore me. People with disabilities just want the same respect and consideration as everyone else. This is a message from United Spinal Association. Download our disability etiquette booklet at unitedspinal.org. You're listening to the Crumback Chevrolet High School Coaches Show on ESPN Radio 138 and 100.9 FM. Welcome back, everyone, to Thursday edition of the ESPN High School Coaches Show, presented by Crumback Chevrolet. This is our home Thursday evening, 6 to 7, for another couple weeks. And then I believe D.C., the 19th, we're switching to Wednesdays. Does that sound familiar? Do you have no idea what I'm talking about? You were my boss, so well, I cut off what you say. Rags is what I, what uh, tells me what to do, so I okay. think he did so say I, that. So I Wednesdays. Mean, I just follow the totem pole, Justin. I listen to you. <laughs> uh, you tell me what That's to do, what time we're mistake. on. That, that is true. <laughs> you said it, not me. Yeah. So, yeah, in a couple of weeks, we'll go to Wednesday uh, with bringing on a, a variety of guests. 
But uh, we got Dan Vance is going to join us here in just a couple seconds. But thank you to Coach Luke Amstutz of the East Noble Knights joining us a little later. Rod Parker, Homestead Spartans, Eric Thornton, Norwell Knights. We'll talk some girls basketball uh, till the top of the hour, 7 o'clock. Somebody that covers both football and basketball, we thought, why not bridge the two with a guy that can talk both? It's Dan Vance of Outside the Huddle.net joins us right now. Dan, what's up? Oh, not much, Justin. How are you, man? No, I'm okay. You're a regular now. I heard you yesterday on Sports Rush. You were on, uh, to what, Tuesday at halftime at Blackhawk Christian and Northside. So they may I as well was, just yeah, give you a Yeah, making my rounds. Yeah, doing the uh, the media tour. So <laughs> before we shut the door on uh, on the football season, and uh, I may put you on the spot here for a couple things for, uh, for season-ending awards, but let's go look back on Saturday, East Noble and uh, Evansville Memorial. We felt, everybody kind of felt that uh, that East Noble was in a good spot heading to this game. We felt, man, it could even get away from Evansville Memorial at some point if East Noble's offense was able to get going. We just watched East Noble just get uh, held 33 points under their season average with just a single field goal. We had Coach Amstutz on a little earlier, talked about just what that defense did, but I think all of us left Lucas Oil uh, Stadium on Saturday pretty surprised at what happened. Yeah, even I think the people who thought that Evansville Memorial was going to win that game probably did not expect the game to turn out the way it did. Uh, I, I thought more of a – the first half didn't really surprise me, a feeling out process, two really strong teams. Uh, and we obviously figured out that Evansville Memorial was a little bit bigger and, and stronger and faster than we expected them to be. Uh, so the first half didn't surprise me. The second half also didn't. I just figured it was going to be East Noble that was going to put up the points and start pulling away a little bit in the second half. Uh, th- that was a very good Evansville Memorial team. Uh, all the credit in the world to them. And, you know, at the end of the day, and, and I said it to you that day while we were down there uh, at Lucas Oil, is it possible that it was just too big of a game for East Noble that it started to get to them a little bit, that they realized where they were uh, when some of those interceptions got thrown and <clears throat> the big hits came? You crying? Oh, <laughs> a little stuffed up. No, <laughs> trying not to cry. Just. <laughs> well, you know, you bring up a good point, and not saying that East Noble was satisfied getting to Lucas Oil Stadium, but sometimes when you're there for the first time, uh, and I'm talking players, and I'm talking coaches, and it can really, you're not basking in it, but you're, you know, enjoying the moment, and it's exciting, and oh, by the way, you also have to play a football game, and I'm not saying that uh, East Noble overlooked Evansville more at all. I'm just saying in terms of preparation, in terms of handling the moment Evansville Memorial being there the last three years I think gave him an edge in that department we felt maybe it wasn't going to be that big of a deal but maybe it ended up being one yeah and I think that that is uh, exactly the point there is that Evansville Memorial had been there before and there were some changes for them obviously in personnel there were some changes in the fact they were in class 4a but you have a coach who in 12 years has been there five times now in John Hurley and they, they definitely look like the more experienced and comfortable team and even me walking out on the field, I had never been on a high school or a uh, sorry a pro football field before. It's bright lights, it's big, and and yeah, it, there's there's some nerves, and I don't think that East Noble showed that early. But once things got going and things started kind of snowballing out of their control, uh, there, I think there was definitely some some looks in some of their eyes like, oh wow, this is where we are, and this is what's going on. And instead of just playing their game, they kind of realized the situation a little bit more. 
Dan, let me throw something at you real quick. And, and it's now the fourth in the last seven years, the fourth time in the last seven years that we have not had a champion on any level uh, uh, in any of the five, six classes of high school football in the area. Do you feel that is showing the weakness potentially of Northeast Indiana, or is it something that it's uh, it's just it's darn hard to win a state championship? Is there something there, or is there nothing? I don't think there's a ton there. I think that, that yeah, we've we've had some tough years, but we had teams capable this year, and we had teams that were capable uh, in multiple classes. And we saw Dwinger was was so close in 5A to even getting back. And, and would they have had a shot? Originally, we didn't think so, uh, but that 5A game didn't seem to be as uh, big of a stretch as we expected. Obviously, East Noble had a shot. I think South Adams had a shot in 1A. But again, getting there is hard, and uh, getting it done there is hard. So I, I don't really read too much into that, uh, the aspect of, of thinking that maybe we just don't have good talent. So I think we have the teams that are capable of getting there and doing it, uh, but actually getting there and doing it is not an easy task. If we had to give out some season-ending awards, I think everybody would agree that the player of the year was Bailey Parker. Would he also be your most valuable player, or is there somebody else in mind you feel that's deserving of MVP? You know, it's so hard to not say that he's your most valuable as well, and, and you and I talk all the time about the difference between that and player of the year, uh, but Bailey Parker's value all around the field. I mean, this is a guy who was fourth on their team in tackles coming from a free safety position, uh, led the team in interceptions, obviously what he did offensively, running the ball and throwing the ball. Uh, yeah, East Noble is not anywhere near the level they're at, and that was a very good football team, top to bottom. Uh, but, yeah, without Bailey Parker, it's hard to say that he wasn't the most valuable to his team throughout the year because of what he did basically every second of every game. Of course, I think team of the year, you go with East Noble. You look at coach of the year, you could go in different directions. But uh, is there a surprise, positive or negative? Is there? Well, let's do one of each, positive and negative. Is there a positive surprise that surprised you this year? And then on the flip, is there a negative surprise that caught you off guard? Uh, I think the positive surprise for me would be the, the level of competition we saw in the Northeast State. Uh, this is a conference the last couple of years. There's always been two, maybe three teams at the top. But this was such a competitive conference this year to have so many teams post what well, you'd have to say successful seasons uh, when you're looking at they're just kind of beating each other. And obviously, Snowball at the top of the heat. But Leo had a great year. I mean, we look at this as, as a Leo team that didn't win anything, yet they only lost twice throughout the entire year. Uh, Calb had a great year. Columbia City had a successful year. Norwell was better uh, than they had been. New Haven had some really good games and some really good wins. So I think the positive for me is how strong that conference was, where we saw one power, uh, but it wasn't a huge drop-off behind them. And as far as the negative, you know, I think that, like you said, the, the negative would have to be the state championship drought, uh, just because second biggest city in the state in Fort Wayne and how big this area is and how many schools we have you would hope to have a state champion. So I think in a year you come out of it without a state champion, uh, you look at it as a little bit of a negative. All right, Dan, you're the uh, the expert in area high school basketball, and we're now with state finals behind us in football. We're going to focus and zero in on high school basketball. Before we, we kind of take a look at what's been going on on the girls' side over the last several weeks, uh, outside the huddle.net was able to break some news, so to speak, today about the SAC holiday tournament. Can you tell us about uh, one change in particular and maybe potentially more with the holiday tournament? 
Well, the biggest change uh, and, and, the, and the major change is that, one, we're not going to get our seating here for probably another 10, 11 days. December 16th is what some coaches have told me uh, when the seating will come out, and that's because the seating is going to be based on the Sagarin ratings this year and not the coaches' vote. Uh, so a pretty big change to take that out of the coach's hands. Uh, and then obviously at this point there is no boys' Sagarin rating. There's a girls' one out already. Uh, but they got to wait for a boys' Sagarin rating to come out here a couple weeks into the season. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's an odd change uh, to take that out of the coach's hands. So I guess we'll kind of see how that pans out, especially when you're only going to have one or two games uh, to base that on. Uh, I'm just going to hit you with this question. Is is the format of the SAC Holiday Tournament become stale? Absolutely. I, and I think that we saw that with the turnout last year. I love the SAC Holiday Tournament. I think the fact that it's going to be played in three days this year is great because it doesn't spread it out. Once we got to four days and we were playing championship games on their own day, uh, I think that's made it a little more stale. So I think by virtue of when Christmas is this year, it has to be packed into the 26th and the 28th, that Thursday through Saturday helps. But there's some things that you could do, some elements you could add uh, to, to make it more of a show. I, you were there last year, too. The turnout was just awful. Yeah. Uh, one of the worst SAC holiday tournament turnouts that we've seen in a long time, uh, with the exception of maybe night one, uh, where there was a decent turnout for Northrop and Southside. So I think that they got to figure out some things to, to change it up a little bit. All right, Dan, let's look a little bit at the uh, girls' side of things, and they're in the thick of the, of the schedule right now. A lot of teams have played five, six, seven, eight games already. Uh, what are some of these storylines that have come out of the first few weeks of the season for the girls? Well, I'm really impressed with how Norwell's playing right now, and they're a team that suffered a loss at Warsaw very quickly, but have played really tight, really close games against good competition. Teams that we're considering, you know, top 10, top five teams in this area. Bishop Blue, we're going to get a Norwell Homestead game like we had last year. I think that could be a lot of fun. But I think Norwell, uh, they kind of have taken it personally. This is a team that didn't win a title last year for the first time in a long time. No Northeast State title, no sectional title. Uh, and there's a drought there for them. And as this group of girls, most of them are juniors now that are part of their core, uh, you know, I think they kind of took it personally that, hey, we've been here. We've seen the success. We've been part of the success. And then last year, sophomores failed. Uh, and I think the Norwell and how they're playing and how motivated they're playing is probably the most interesting part of the girls' season so far. Can anybody challenge Homestead in the SAC? You know, it's going to be interesting. And obviously a big part of that is there without Ayanna Patterson. Uh, that timetable, not really known how long that she'll be gone. We don't know if she'll be back for the SAC holiday tournament or if they'll go ahead and just hold her out until the first of the year. Uh, with an MCL sprain. So it, right now, I think it's a possibility. Carroll on Friday night is a really interesting game for them because Carroll goes so deep. Uh, win earlier this week against the Cal. They had 13 different girls score. Uh, and you've seen it before, Mark Redding, sometimes using that hockey line change mentality. Fresh five in. He's got some young girls, but they're gaining a lot of experience by him being able to play them early. Uh, Carroll, I think, would be an interesting matchup. That even though I don't think they're the second-best team in the SAC, I really like Bishop Lures for a matchup with Homestead, uh, and especially if Ayanna Patterson's out, because Bishop Lures have been so strong inside. Lydia Reinbold's having a great year, arguably the best player in the SAC right now, and they're able to do a lot of good things inside. Homestead doesn't have that size. They don't have a lot of experience with that size when you look at Amber Austin and some of the freshmen and sophomores that have to come in and fill in spots now off the bench. So I think that uh, that Lures could be another team, obviously the only team uh, to beat Homestead so far in SAC or SAC Holiday Tournament play 
uh, ever. So yeah. I think that lures could be a fun one. We're barely a week into boys' action started last week, but uh, what are some of the things you've learned or some of the things you're looking ahead uh, to possibly find out here in the next days and weeks start as we kick into uh, boys' basketball? I think we're going to keep learning more about Blackhawk Christian really quickly. Obviously, they're going to have to turn around tomorrow and play at New Haven. It's a very interesting game, very tough game for them. Uh, but I was impressed with them on Tuesday because this is a team that only returns three guys with significant playing time to the varsity level, but they look like a well-oiled machine and guys that you have not seen before. Callan Wood really stood out to me on Tuesday against Northside. Guys you haven't seen on the varsity level, most casual basketball fans, even hardcore fans in the area, don't even know who they are. Uh, and they played very well. And I was really impressed with how Zane Burke played. And uh, Caleb first obviously gets the attention, had a great game, 29 points, 15 rebounds. Zane Burke scored 33, had eight rebounds, eight assists, and I think we had a lot of questions on how he was going to do as the point guard and if he was going to be able to be as strong uh, as a guy getting to the basket when he had to distribute as well. Uh, and obviously Northside is on the lower end of teams in the area right now, but I think Zane proved to us that he can play that role. And I'm really looking forward to that game tomorrow because New Haven has played great their first two games. I saw him play Woodland last week. They just picked up a big one over Northrop earlier this week and did it without Donovan Lewis, who's arguably their second-best player. Uh, and, and I think that's a lot in part because Thomas Latham is playing great, and he's kind of pinned himself as the uh, big player to watch early in the season. And some renovated digs out at New Haven. Yeah, it's great in there. It's a great new facility. Uh, the entrance is a little bit different, but great new floor. Their field house is right there where the freshmen are playing. They have some additional courts. New lighting, new uh, American flag drops down from the center of the ceiling, the center of the court when they play the national anthem. I Really enjoyed uh, getting out to New Haven and checking out their new situation last week. All right, Dan, before we let you go, what's new at uh, OTH.net? Obviously, we have our Game of the Week preview in Blackhawk Christian. Uh, headed to New Haven tomorrow. Uh, bounce column about this change in the SAC Holiday Tournament. Uh, and coming up in the next few days, we're going to kind of break down uh, some end-of-season awards, and we're going to do it class by or Sorry, not class by class, conference by conference. So we'll start with the NECC and kind of go conference by conference and talk about the big players, big games, and big moments from this year in high school football. All right, bud, it's basketball time. It's your favorite time of year. so Best time of the year. <laughs> All right, bud, we'll catch up to you next week. All right, sounds good. Thanks, guys. That's Dan Vance of OutsideTheHuddle.net joining us here as he does each and every week talking some area high school football and basketball with Mr. Vance. But starting next week, it'll be all basketball all the time. And that's Dan Vance's uh, favorite time of the year for sure. So uh, between his Blue Devils and covering uh, area high school sports, he's got uh, got a lot going on here in the winter months. We're going to take a break, come back. Coach Rod Parker, Homestead Spartans, will join us. We'll break down the uh, first uh, five games of the season for the Spartans, see where they're at. Uh, Eric Thornton of the Norwell Knights also coming up later. We're here here till 7 o'clock. D.C. Hendricks, Justin Kenny here on the ESPN High School Coaches Show, presented by Crumback Chevrolet on ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM. For me, it's always been the same thing. This is a quarterback-driven league. If a running back was to win the MVP, that means that the value of running backs has always gone up. They don't like paying running backs, even though whenever it gets to the playoffs, running backs are the only thing that matters. Quarterbacks are the face of the league. They're going to be the ones that win the MVP. But if you're a non-quarterback player that gets into that conversation, you should feel good about yourself. The Pat McAfee Show. Weekday afternoons from 2 to 4 on Fort Wayne Sports Station. ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM. 
The bond we share with our pets is undeniable. They fill us with love, comfort, and joy, and they deserve the same. As pet owners, we want to care for and protect our pets. Sadly, in homes where domestic violence occurs, pets are often victims too. Hi, I'm Russell Wilson. Each year, millions of domestic violence victims stay in abusive situations because they fear for the safety of their pet. With less than 10% of domestic violence shelters allowing pets, too many lives remain at risk. Victims of domestic violence should never have to make a choice between their own safety and the safety of their loved ones, including pets. That's why the Banfield Foundation supports programs that provide temporary shelter and veterinary care so people and pets can find safety together. Because when we help pets, we help people too. To learn more and get involved, visit BanfieldFoundation.org slash SaferTogether. Dreaming of becoming a professional race car driver? Speeding around empty parking lots is a start, but going pro takes time. So does quitting smoking. It's not about stopping in one day. It's about starting with day one. You just need to take that first step. Get started on your journey toward a smoke-free life with the American Cancer Society. We'll give you the support and resources you need to quit smoking. The finish line is closer than you think. Learn more at cancer.org slash smokeout. In the aftermath of tragic attacks such as the one at Santa Fe High School in Texas, there is often an increase in hoax threats to schools and other public places. Whether false threats are made on social media, verbally or otherwise, criminals could be locked behind prison doors for up to five years. FBI Deputy Director David Bowditch. The Bureau and its law enforcement partners take each threat seriously. We investigate and fully analyze each threat to determine its credibility. In addition to time behind bars and a fine, other consequences of this crime include emotional distress to students, school personnel, and parents. False threats also drain taxpayer money and divert valuable law enforcement resources away from other critical responsibilities. Making false threats is not a joke. Think before you Post. Report threats and suspicious behavior to law enforcement and in emergencies, dial 911. With FBI This Week, I'm Molly Halpern of the Bureau. Now back to the Crumback Chevrolet High School Coaches Show on ESPN Radio, 138 at 100.9 FM. Welcome back, everyone, to the ESPN High School Coaches Show presented by Crumback Chevrolet. I'm Justin Kenny. He's D.C. Hendricks here till 7 o'clock, talking area high school. Basketball. Thank you to Dan Vance for the break, breaking down the uh, 4A state championship game that we saw last Saturday and also helping, to, helping us transition to basketball. And we're going to keep that up in the next half hour. Coach Eric Thornton, Norwell Knights will join us here in a little bit. But let's kick it off with Rod Parker, Homestead Spartans, who joins us right now on the line. Coach, how are you? I'm doing very well. And yourself? Oh, you know, it's basketball time. It's time to transition to hoops. So you, you've been there for a while, but we're all catching up. So how are things going? Uh, it's going well. We've got a fun team to coach this year. A pretty young group. Uh, but I think we're improving and uh, having a lot of fun working with them. Take us through the uh, first five games. You guys avenged the uh, football loss with a win uh, over Carmel to kick it off. Been on the road uh, the last couple weeks. Yeah, we have. You know, starting off with Carmel is always a tough task when it's your first game. Um, <clears throat> we really don't know too much about each other, but it was a good test for us. A close game, uh, one that we were fortunate to get out of there with a win. But we build on it. We've improved, and I thought we played some really good basketball here as of late. 
You guys go to Huntington North uh, last week and get a 46-34 victory. Uh, take us through that one because Huntington North is always uh, is always kind of plays their style and likes to to frustrate teams. You know, keep you low scoring, but you guys were able to to get a win there. You know, and, and definitely Coach Hines is going to do a good job down there. But he's he's come uh, from working with Coach Teagle and stuff. They play a very slow, deliberate style of basketball. Um, kind of use their offense a little bit to play defense, but. I thought it was a game where our kids defended long possessions and defended well. I think that was one of the big things we emphasized going into that basketball game. Uh, and we valued our possessions on offense, and I thought we had good good productivity, especially for the first three quarters of the basketball game. You got a couple seniors you guys are relying on, Sidney Graber and Riley Parker. And have, have they led and played the way you want those two girls to do that uh, through the first five games? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, those are two good seniors right now, both on the court and off the court. Um, great leaders. Uh, they're given our continue to have a great culture in our program right now, and, and they're keeping that tradition you know, going strong. And on the court, they're both playing very good basketball right now. They're playing unselfish. They're um, picking up the load when they need to. They've been scoring it well, defending well, and uh, really providing great leadership for the younger kids in our program. You got a, a lot of juniors, but all, the only real name that jumps out, Grace Sullivan. But uh, a, a lot of talent in that class. Are they developing as you'd like? Yeah, and you know the nice thing about some of the kids in that junior class is they really understand their roles, um, and that's nice when you have kids in a program on a team that understand what it takes to win and are happy with those particular roles. You know, I think Grace has done a great job this year stepping in at the point guard, uh, you know, position, defending great, taking care of the basketball. Um, get into different people uh, when they need to receive it to score. She's scoring, you know, consistently in each game. So she's just having a really good year right now. And Amber Austin's another one that's really stepping up for us in the post, um, playing some great post defense. I think she had eight blocks on Huntington North, um, you know, and, and averaging just under 10 points a game. So doing their jobs well um, and really complementing, you know, what we're trying to do out there with the seniors and, and Ayana. How's Sydney Graber been playing? Sydney's Sydney's having a great year. Uh, you know, Sydney's really uh, evolved and developed into you know one of the top couple players in, in Northeast Indiana. Uh, she made a big effort in the off season, you know, to to first entire game, get in shape and so on. And she's just really playing good basketball right now. She's very hard to defend with her ability to play inside and out. Uh, and she's really made an effort this year. She can defend four positions on the court, and that's a big thing for us. She's given us a lot of flexibility on the defensive end. I, I, when I see her play, sometimes you almost I have to do a double take to make sure it's her because she not just physically but in her game looks completely different than what she did as a freshman, sophomore, even a junior. Yeah, it's it's been a fun progression to watch. Um, obviously, as a coach, because it's definitely helping us out. But <laughs> you know, Sydney's always been talented. Um, but the, the biggest thing is Sydney loves the game of basketball. She works hard. She's really made a strong effort to improve, you know, her particular game, her shape, and so on to get ready for her senior year. And then, obviously, you know, having the, the fortunate opportunity to play at the next level. But she's just she's doing a great job. And you know, right now, I'm most pleased with sitting the fact that she just sets the, the bar very high every day in practice of how hard you have to work to be successful. And you know, she simply wants to win. And, and you love coaching kids who put in the time and effort to put themselves in the position to be successful. Guys have played the last few games without sophomore Ayanna Patterson. She did down with an injury. How has she played before she went out with the injury, and can we expect her back anytime soon? 
You know what? Uh, yeah, we're we're expecting Anna to play tomorrow night. Uh, she's practiced, you know, here the last week or so. So it's going to be big to have her back in the lineup for us. And you know, Anna unfortunately has had a, or unfortunately has had a little run of injuries, and you know, over the summer and the off season, and then got things going for the first three or four weeks of the season was really starting to look good. Uh, back in shape, her game was strong. Physically, she's just a different person than she was last year. So, uh, tweaking her knee at the end of that Northridge game was, you know, an unfortunate break. On the flip side, we were fortunate that she wasn't, um, you know, hurt seriously and that she's been able to bounce back and get back in the lineup this week. But, you know, Ayanna is, is uh, you know, how you say it, the best player in the area. Uh, and so, adding her back to the lineup, you know, coming up is going to be a big thing for us. Speaking of big things, you got a, a big one tomorrow with the rival Carroll coming in, and and uh, and Coach Redding's got a deep team. He can go, you know, ten, eleven deep if he needs to. He can, you know, sub in four or five girls at a time. They're six and one. What do you expect tomorrow night? Well, you know, Carroll teams are always, you know, tough, and it's always a big rivalry game for us. So it's going to be a big crowd. It's going to be a fun and good scores on his team. You know, his starters are solid. Four returned from last year. You got deep bench. They like the pressure. Um, all over the court, mix up their defenses. So, you know, for us, the big key offensively tomorrow is, you know, recognizing the defenses, adjusting to them, and valuing our possessions. And, you know, if we get good shots tomorrow, which I'd like to think we can, uh, we have to knock some down. And then on the flip side, as always, no matter who we play, we have to defend. Uh, and if we can defend well as a team, uh, make it hard for Carroll, then, you know, I like our chances. Coach, I haven't uh, talked to a single coach about this, but it came out today that uh, for seeding for the holiday tournament, they're going to use Sagan ratings instead of, of coaches' vote. Does that change anything? Do you did you like voting? Do you like it being taken out of your hands? One less thing you got to worry about, or or is it you know a non-factor? Well, I'll be honest, uh, Justin. I was the one that proposed that two years ago. Oh, you're genius. Sagan rating. Yeah, I, I'm the one that proposed that because. You know, there were always complaints, and I just think it was tough that, you know, when people would go to vote, we had to vote. We had to submit our votes real early in the season. We only played four or five games, that kind of thing. And depending on someone's schedule, I think sometimes it was skewed, and I think there were people that maybe really didn't have a chance to watch some other teams in our conference play at that point in time. Uh, and so the Sagarin ratings, I think, are something that's fair. You know, it builds in strength of schedule. So somebody could have a couple losses, but they're going to get rewarded for going out and playing tough non-conference games. Or if there's tough conference matchups in the first two weeks of the season, you know, which may result in a loss or two. Um, I just think it's good. I think it takes biases out of the picture. I just think it um, is an easy, consistent way to do it each and every year. Now, take that one step further. Would you like to see some sort of Sagan ratings to seed the tournament or maybe just seed the top two in each section? Uh, well, I- <laughs> I'd love to see it see the tournament. Yeah. Uh, again, I, I do. I, I think that's a good thing. And, you know, here's the thing I've always said. You know, you have to be good teams to win a sectional. You have to be good teams to advance in the tournament and do anything real special. However, I think it's good for the fans. I think it's, it's just good for the tournament that things are set up. To hopefully, the deeper you go into a sectional, into a semifinal or a final, that they should be the bigger games. And the games that are going to put the most people in the stands typically on a Friday and Saturday night as opposed to 6 o'clock on a Tuesday, um, which could be the biggest game, you know, of your sectional is by the, the blind draw. So, you know, I, I'm a fan of it. I think John Hill's website is, is fantastic. I think that it's reliable enough to be able to see, you know, the postseason, and, and definitely now I'm glad to see it with our holiday tournament. Rod Parker talks things get done. So pay attention, Bobby Cox. 
right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I had to talk a long time to, for people to listen. You know, this one, so it's kind of like I, teaching, I, huh? I do think it's yeah, I do think it's good for the for the tournament, though. I, I really do. I just think it, it sets up the big games deeper in the tournament. Not to say there aren't going to be upsets, but just you know, um, on typical or on average, I just think it's good, and I think it rewards you know some teams for what they do all year long and, and how they how they set their schedules as well. When I think of the boys' side in particular, because that that vote was so early in the season, sometimes maybe even before the some of the teams had played, and it was really yeah. skewed. Yeah, I think we have to you know I have to submit my roster and stuff first of next week for the holiday tournament, and you know in years past that's when your seeding stuff had to be you know submitted. And to your point, you know our boys only played one game so far, yeah, uh, and they'll be a week away from having to submit a ballot, and that's that's a tough thing to do. So. You know, it is probably a little more fair for the girls, even using the Sagarin ratings, because we start early enough that by the date they pull that Sagarin ratings, most of us are going to play eight games, which is more than a third of our season, you know, really getting close to half of our season. So it at least balances out and I think gives a pretty fair representation, especially on our side of things. All right, Coach. Appreciate it. Good luck tomorrow. you got Noblesville at home on Saturday afternoon and then a big one at DeWanger next Friday night. But uh, we'll see you guys can knock off the Chargers first tomorrow night. All right, thanks. I appreciate right. it. Thanks, Coach. That's Coach Rod Parker, the the mastermind of the uh, of the change in the SAC. And I know there were some people that didn't like it. Some people did. Um, but but I think it makes sense. I think you know you take biases out of it. And uh, you know I've been around long enough to know that biases factor into some big decisions uh, in the city when it comes to the SAC. Who makes all area, or who gets voted all area, uh, or who puts a team higher than they should or lower than they should. You know, I, I've covered this stuff for, for almost 20 years, and, and there's incidents, you know, that it's obvious that something was going on. So this takes the uh, human element out of it and puts it in the hands of the Sagarin ratings. And I think if you look at the Sagarin ratings on the girls' side right now, it makes pretty good sense on 1 through 10 in terms of the Sagarin. But um, they won't draw those uh, Sagarin ratings until, I believe, Two weeks from today, it'll be December 19th, they will look at the Sagarin for both girls and boys and seed the tournament. The tournament, by the way, December 26th, 27th, and 28th of December uh, at Wayne High School. So bright and early day after Christmas, 9 o'clock tip for that opening game. So um, don't get too crazy on Christmas night if you're heading out to uh, Wayne on Saturday, on uh, Thursday morning because that's when the tournament starts. So thank you for Coach Parker for joining us. Uh, we're going to come back. We'll talk to Coach Eric Thornton real quick. You're listening to the ESPN High School Coaches Show presented by Crumback Chevrolet on ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM. Saturday on Compass Media Networks, it's the 2019 Big Ten Championship Game featuring the West Division champs, the Wisconsin Badgers, and the East champs, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Hi, it's Greg Daniels. Join Steve Berline and me for all the action as one of these Big Ten powerhouses claims their conference crown and punches a ticket to the four-team playoff. It's Jonathan Taylor in Wisconsin, Justin Fields and Ohio State. If it's the Big Ten Championship, it's right here on ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9. FM. Let's talk about America. Not taxes or tweets or the issues that divide us, but how incredible our country is. Left, right, up, down, state lines to winding coastlines. 
Whether you come home to a crowded city street, tree-lined suburb, or sleepy small town, everyone deserves to live in a clean, green, and thriving community. And we all share in the responsibility to create beauty that ripples from one neighborhood to another and one block to the next. We are Keep America Beautiful, the nonprofit working with millions of people just like you to end littering, improve recycling, and beautify our communities. Because every mindful action and sustainable habit has a positive impact, and it all adds up. Learn how you can join Keep America Beautiful at kab.org. Together, we can do beautiful things. You're listening to the Crumback Chevrolet High School Coaches Show on ESPN Radio, 138 and 100.9 FM. Welcome back for the final time here on the ESPN High School Coaches Show, presented by Crumback Chevrolet, ESPN 1380, 100.9 FM, coming up later tonight. Bears Cowboys, right here on ESPN Radio, 1380. Who's winning, DC? I got the Cowboys. You would. Are you going to pick the Bears? I am picking the Bears, and I, it very well could be their last win of the year because they play mm-hmm. Kansas City, Minnesota, and Green Bay the final three weeks of the season. So, Sounds like some wishful thinking there. Well, you know, I don't think Cowboys haven't played very well. They haven't beaten anybody with a winning record, and the Bears have beaten one team with a winning record. So, Woo-hoo. yeah, see, we got an advantage. But you know, with Mitch Trubisky quarterback, anything's possible. Mostly negative. But uh, that's coming up tonight. Later tonight, if you can't get in front of the TV, it'll be right here on ESPN Radio 1380, 100.9 FM. All right, enough football. Let's talk some basketball. Our final guest of the evening, we talked to Rod Parker. Before the break, we're going to continue talking girls basketball with Coach Eric Thornton of the Norwell Knights. Coach, how are you? I'm good, Justin. How are you doing? Oh, we're doing tremendous. And, uh, and you guys are doing tremendous right out the gate, playing some good basketball. The girls have been. Uh, they've handled the difficult schedule very well, and um, that's uh, that's been good to see. Uh, it's fun to win close games and build some confidence, and uh, so we've got another tough weekend here. But at least you get at least one at home tomorrow against Huntington North. You guys, uh, five of the first seven games have been on the road. Yeah, it's been very road heavy. Um, it's been good for us um, to, to have to go into some of those tough schools on the road and and, um, you know, we'll be a little more home-heavy next year, but um, th- this is good for this group. I felt, you know, I in particular noticed the opening uh, game of the season for you guys going to Oak Hill, and I know Coach Law is kind of reloading a little bit at Oak Hill, but for you guys to go down there and have a big lead, end up winning by 17, uh, was really impressive right out the gate. Yeah, that, that, that's been fun uh, to get to know Todd over the years and watch his teams excel at the 2A level. And I do know they graduated a huge senior class last year. Um, but the Westgate girl and a couple senior guards, they have enough pieces this year. They're in our sectional. Um, we thought it would be a good time to play them for a two-year series. And um, Todd does a great job, and they've, they've really improved. That might have been the best time to catch them in the first game. So if we do happen to see them uh, in sectional, I know they'll be a different team. Coach, you know, before we, we delve into uh, some of your, your girls, you look at last year, winning 19 games, but you didn't win the conference, you didn't win a sectional championship. But it's the first time in a long time that Norwell hasn't won a title of some sort. Is that Was that motivation going into the season, or was that something that really didn't you know factor in very much? 
uh, it's a lot of motivation. Um, It it is an empty feeling to have such a good regular season. Um, We knew how good our sectional was. In fact, we talked to you you there um, heading into sectional. Um, You know, Belmont had a great season. Uh, They got us. Uh, Marion wins the sectional. They go to semi-state. I think everybody in that sectional knew whoever came out of it was going to have a nice chance to make a run. You know, the conference was was really good, and um, it was Grace Hunter's year. And our girls uh, are very motivated by um, not winning a championship uh, last year, and um, that's that's definitely at the top of the list is to not win just one but multiple this season. Some of the girls that you counted on last year and are still relatively young at being juniors, uh, girls like Maya Shelton and Kaylee Fueling, Lauren Bales, uh, phenomenal players. How have they uh, started off here in their junior years? Well, uh, their motto is unfinished business, and that that's their um, you know that's their deal. Um, I, I think that says it all for them. I think they um, they feel like they have a lot to accomplish this year. Um, I think that they um, are hungry. Uh, I think they enjoy the schedule, um, and I think they've bought into everything that we've tried to do this year. Um, we've got some role players that have joined those girls. Brianne Barger. Um, is having a great senior year, the only senior on our team. You mentioned several of our juniors. Um, I'm really proud of this group. Um, everybody has value on our team, and hopefully uh, we keep getting a little bit better and um, we can accomplish some of these goals. You mentioned Brienne, who came out late for you last year and is the lone senior on the team uh, this year. What kind of things have you asked her to do as maybe the lone uh, you know, player with the, in her final season with the team? Well, I think I think Bree just does so many things well. Um, it, it's probably unfair to her to say that she doesn't do anything great because I, I think she probably does. But when you look at her all-around game, she literally has an effect on every single possession of the game. Um, whether you know, being her rebounding, her her scoring has improved, her her perimeter shot, her um, the way that she. Um, has confidence out there on the floor, playing the top of the one-three-one. She has such a great impact. But Bree is such a calming force um, on our team. Um, she is such a has such a gentle spirit. Um, but I'll tell you what, she has really found a way to lead um, in the best way possible. And I think the one thing I asked her to do is just don't let the little things. You know, when you're when you're with each other on a daily basis as much as a team is um, during a basketball season, which is very long, uh, the little things can become big things. And I think that might have happened a little bit at times last year. It's, it's not um, abnormal for that to happen. I just, um, we just had a little bit of a discussion about, hey, let's not let those things blow up and become bigger than they really are because in the end, um, you know, it's really about trying to uh, head in the right direction. And um, it's not always going to be, you know, straight up all the time. But I think Bree's the right kid to be able to lead us through some of those moments where um, it might feel like it's um, uh, more of a negative than it is. And I think that's just uh, the type of leader that she is for us. Coach, congratulations are in order, Mr. 350th win over Concordia last week in your 23 years. Let's go for 700 in another 23 years. How about that? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I look at some of the people who have done this for, you know, maybe, you know, 38 to 42 years, and you just think, my word, um, that is uh, so impressive. Um, you know, there's, 
that's not going to happen. I can tell you that um, for me. Um, I do have a third grade daughter that I'd love to coach. Um, if I'm allowed to get to that point of my career, um, you know, that would be great. Um, but, you know, it is literally year to year enjoying, um, you know, being here at Norwell and being part of such a great community, um, our administration, um, our student body. Uh, the support that we get for our girls' basketball program is it's tough to match that, um, not only in the area, but I would say the state of Indiana. We're pretty fortunate to be a part of this. Um, uh, I love our program, and I'd love to keep doing this for quite a while yet. But thank you. Absolutely. Coach, I appreciate it. Thanks for the time. We'll uh, catch up to you down the road. Thanks a lot, Justin. That's Coach Eric Thornton. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.